Good morning, my name's Cathy, if I haven't met you, and a special welcome to any visitors with us this morning. We're going to be reading from Mark chapter 1, from verse 21 to verse 39. It should be on the screen, um, or you can follow in your handout, or maybe you've brought your Bible. One of the things we used to do at Mittagong on occasion was bring some minties to church, and anyone who brought their Bible to church got a minty. So this might be coming your way soon. Let me encourage you to bring your Bibles and you can follow on as Matthew preaches. Um, We're going to, yes, so starting from Mark chapter 1, verse 21. They went to Capernaum and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were also amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Earlier this year we discovered uh, that the new heat pump that uh, in the home that we were in was faulty. Uh, it had been installed uh, not long before we had arrived in Tasmania and it wasn't chilling the air. Now, please... Bear with me, I'm from the mainland, Rayleigh, so having an air, an air, a, a heat pump that can chill air 
is fairly important to me, um, even if I can't remember a single day that we've actually needed it to chill the air yet. Um, but we've tried a few options with the remote control anyway, and uh, nothing seemed to work. And so we contacted the estate agent uh, who sent over the air conditioner specialist and uh, fixed the fault. Now, maybe it's not the heat pump at your place, but maybe it's the car that's broken down or the washing machine uh, or the dishwasher or the oven needs repairing or the ride-on mower that keeps having the belt fall off. And so, you know, you hop off the thing and you stop the engine and you take off your watch, don't you? Because, you see, what you've got to do is get the belt back onto the mower and you put the watch on the grounds. And so you struggle on to get the belt back on. You're a novice at doing this thing, but you try somehow and... You get frustrated with it until it finally works and you've got it on and it's fixed. And so you just keenly hop on the ride-on mower again and away you go. And as you go, you're looking down and you, you see it working well, the grass is being cut so beautifully and then suddenly you see before your eyes your new watch being obliterated into a million pieces. Things need fixing. And sadly, people do as well. Jesus, the Son of God, came looking for the needy, the broken and the oppressed. People knew they needed God, who were not right with God. He came bringing a message and he was that message of good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. And he uh, demonstrates his credentials uh, in dealing with broken, faulty lives like no other in this section we read this morning from Mark's Gospel. If you've got your hand out there, you'll see the outline. There's three points and the passage is there printed. Jesus showing his authority in teaching, his compassion in healing and his priority in preaching. So first have a look with me, if you would, at the authority in teaching. We're on a Sabbath day in Capernaum and uh, you can see there on the map there, Capernaum, where it is in relation to Nazareth and Galilee and Judea and the Dead Sea in the south. The town of Capernaum was the northwest of the Sea of Galilee and Jesus has gone into the synagogue there to teach. Uh, the synagogue was a place where the scriptures were read, the various rabbis would get up and comment on them and uh, teach. And here is Jesus on this particular Sabbath teaching and the reaction of the crowd there, people listening, is one of astonishment. Uh, not in the sense of surprise, but in the sense that they were terrified. They had never heard anyone talk like Jesus. Uh, not as the teachers of the law who appealed to the authority of others. Jesus taught, as Matthew Henry puts it, as one 
that knew the mind of God and was commissioned to declare it. Uh, just to um, highlight this a little bit, uh, that word authority we've sort of talked about already this morning in verse 22 and if you look down there in verse 27, it's, um, it comes from a, a Greek word called exousia. Uh, we're all familiar with the exit sign, EX. X means out, going out, out of. And the word ousia, it means really ultimate reality, uh, the ultimate substance. Uh, bear with me for a moment, but the fourth century, or I'll just go way back, there was a council, a church council called Nicaea. And one of the things they were doing at this council was trying to give due honour to the person of Christ. And they described in that statement that Christ was of one being with the Father. That is, he is the same being, the same essence, the same substance as God the Father. And so this is the word that Mark is using to describe Jesus' teaching. He's teaching out of the substance, out of the supreme substance from the ultimate. So, friends, draw a circle in your mind. And in that circle, you just sort of call it, I don't know, amazing. Put Jesus' teaching in there and no one else is worthy to stay. You hear people, don't you? That's awesome. Uh, people are just, uh, you know, enthralled about the performance on the stage. You know, some, some um, incredible achievement on the sporting field. And you think, wow, that's incredible. I've said it. You've said it. Mark wants us to know... When Jesus is in the room, it's a whole new level of authority and category as far as that word amazing is. His words came with divine authority. They stopped people in their tracks. They pierced people with a sense of dread. They never heard anything like it. And just then a man comes into the synagogue and just sort of, he's probably there in the midst of it all and just interrupts. It's like the, um, we've all seen it, haven't we, the spectator at the sporting event comes bursting onto the field in the midst of the, the crescendo of the game or the climate activist. When Jesus is on earth, all hell breaks loose. And at that moment, we have this example. That evil spirit in that man knows he's facing destruction there because the king is here. He screams at Jesus, what do you want? What do you have to do? What do we have to do with you? Or to put this more bluntly, mind your own business, Jesus. Get out of my face, Jesus. And the only relationship Jesus' demons have with the Christ is one of conflict. 
the kingdom of God is at hand. And they know who Jesus is, don't they? They scream, the Holy One of God! And they're terrified. And with a few stern words, they're muzzled like a wild, uncontrolled beast needing the mouth restrained. Be quiet. And um, what we have here is an example of what we, is known in Mark's Gospel as the messianic secret. Jesus the Messiah, the messianic secret. It's again there in verse 34 as Jesus aims to keep his identity under wraps. So it's not misinterpreted, it's not misrepresented, and it's not misunderstood. And then after the be quiet, come out of him. Jesus rules in the cosmic arena. He speaks, they obey. Which just reinforces what the people had already concluded. What, what, is, what is this? A new teaching. And with authority, he gives orders to the impure spirits and they obey him. It's a little wonder that we read how the news about Jesus spread like wildfire throughout the region of Galilee. Next we see here the compassion of Jesus to heal. Simon's mother-in-law, Simon Peter, um, is in bed with a fever and the fever in the ancient world basically killed people. It was a big killer. There were no known antibiotics to deal with it. And the first thing we see here that the people do who are in the house there with Jesus, you see what they do? They just tell him. They tell Jesus. You see, days are coming, friends, brothers and sisters. Days are coming when you should immediately tell Jesus about it. About your bereavement about your loss, your disappointment, your suffering, about people close to you who are in great need. Tell Jesus about it. When King Hezekiah was in trouble, he told the Lord about it. When Lazarus fell sick, his sisters told Jesus about it. And even today, what is your burden? Have you told Jesus about it? When you face another doctor's appointment about your condition or illness, or maybe it's the day of your operation, or it's, you take the pills, you've got to see the physio, there's some crisis. Will you tell Jesus about it? Is there anyone more compassionate than Jesus? And when Simon's mother-in-law is in bed with a fever, they immediately told Jesus about it. And what happens? Well, there aren't any words to just tell us what Jesus said, is there? There's no word of Jesus at that point. Jesus just simply took her by the hand and helped her up. Fever's gone. She begins to wait on them. She began to serve them. She's not just soldiering on half well. 
is completely restored. And you see, no one's going hungry at her place that day. What Jesus did for Simon's mother-in-law, he did for you. Has he not taken not only our hands to bring us up, but our lives? Hasn't our Lord Jesus, our Saviour, raised us up from our sin? Washed us clean? Forgiven us? And set us apart to serve him? Wherever he places us. Isn't that how it is being a Christian? Without him, your life has no power to serve him. It couldn't serve Christ. But now forgiven, lives taken by Christ, lives filled by Christ, he lifts us up to serve him. That's the flow of the Christian life, save to serve. Receive grace to enter glory. Saved by Christ. Saved for Christ. And if he has taken hold of your life, now is not the time to shrink back. Keep serving and keep living for Christ. Well, that evening uh, after sunset, the, the whole town is at the door. Uh, the Sabbath is now over, um, so all the people can feel relieved that they can now bring their desperate friends and family to Jesus without breaking the Sabbath. They want the sick healed, the demon-possessed released. And at that time, it's been estimated that probably Capernaum had about 1,500 people in the town. That's where you go on Saturday night when Jesus, full of compassion, is in town. We're told he healed many with various diseases and drove out the demons. He's, he's restoring creation. He's restoring people made in God's image who have been assaulted by evil. Restoring messed up lives, broken lives, diseased lives, oppressed lives. Bringing what Isaiah said, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Healing them, not for the acclaim of the crowds, but simply from a compassion for people. His authority in teaching, his compassion in healing, and then thirdly, his priority in preaching. And what we see in the text here is that it's the next morning, it's the early hours. After a massive night, what must have been a massive night, here's Jesus rising before dawn. And he goes out to an isolated place and uh, for prayer. 
He knew he needed to be refreshed spiritually. He needed time with God, his Father, in prayer. He had faced temptation in the trial in the wilderness. He received sustenance from God, his Father, on that occasion. And now here is Jesus seeking the Father's face to sustain him, to complete the mission that he has. And friends, if Jesus needed to draw aside for private prayer, how much more do we need this? For the right focus of dependence and humility for what the Lord has called you to do. Before going on in a similar vein of mass healings and exorcisms, Jesus stops, withdraws, he prays, a refocusing of focused time with God, but then he's interrupted. It's a search party. Everyone's looking for you. There's, there's urgency in that statement. It's like they're a hunting party looking for him. And when they catch him in prayer, it's a case of, what, what are you doing? We've got appointments, healings, exorcisms. And now Jesus doesn't say, great, let's, let's, let's plant a church for all these seekers. There's great excitement, isn't there, going on? Yes, I, I get that. Great momentum. But what, now what does he say? Let's go somewhere else. Let's go to the nearby villages so I can... And what, what does he say? He says, preach. That's why I've come. Preaching was his priority. And isn't it interesting how this comes directly after his time of private prayer. Everyone is looking for you. Just fix up everything, Jesus. No. Preaching. He came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. That man in the synagogue knew who Jesus was. but he still needed his sins forgiven. And there are any people today who know who Jesus is, but are living without the forgiveness of their sin. They don't know the message. They haven't heard the message. They haven't received the message. So they haven't repented and believed and into the kingdom. All the people at Capernaum at the door at the house, all the sick and the demon-possessed needed to hear the good news of the kingdom. And the only way is in the preaching, in the telling of that news. Let us go somewhere else. Let us go to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. Our Lord Jesus basically eradicated disease from Palestine. He had no trouble drawing the crowds. He did the most amazing things, taught with God's authority, healed with God's compassion, and the nation crucified him. 
They rejected him. They rejected the gospel he proclaimed. And the irony of this is breathtaking. For in their rejection of him, their hostility at him, they would see him crucified, which is precisely how the kingdom of darkness is pushed back. As Jesus, our saviour, atones there for our sin. And without this, there is no good news to proclaim. If Jesus had listened to popular opinion and followed that expectation, he would have never arrived at the cross. And I have no doubt as he prayed in those early hours, his was being resol- his resolve was to preaching that message, knowing that it would inevitably lead him to the cross. It was the priority throughout his ministry. His authority in teaching, his compassion in healing, and his priority in preaching. And as we finish this morning, there was just a couple of impl- implications, I think, that flow from this for us by way of encouragement and challenge and warning. By way of encouragement and challenge, would you, friends, brothers and sisters, keep holding firm to your conviction about the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Support it. Pray for it. Give to it. There is nothing more important in all the world than the preaching of the gospel. Jesus thought so. Feed the hungry, yes. Care for the infirmed, yes. Keep doing good to all people, especially to the household of faith, yes. But above all, keep being someone in God's church who is tenaciously holding to the proclamation of the gospel. You've heard that expression, haven't you? That the main thing is that the main thing remains the main thing. Pray you will keep this priority. Pray that you may not lose heart in trying to share it. Keep asking for the courage to share it. You know, I've watched a number of, a fair number of soccer games. You know, in soccer, it's usually the forwards that get to score the goals. All the players on the team are trying to work together, passing the ball to one another, so that those who are good at scoring get the ball near the goal. But you know, I've even seen centre-backs and left full-backs love scoring. You know, there they are at halfway and they, um, they take a big run. Or maybe it's a, a corner and it's a, the centre-back will go up there because he's pretty tall and uh, he's looking for a header. You know, backs 
love to score goals. Most of us are probably backs when it comes to sharing the gospel. On the team, we're doing our bit. It's not time to be subbed off. Not on the sideline, cheering the few of the team. Our captain coach is with us, giving us amazing, life-giving words of encouragement. Let's all keep helping our team score, just as each of us might have courage ourselves in giving the good news that was Jesus' main priority and a warning, a warning. They heard amazing words from Jesus' mouth, but did they believe? He knew who Jesus was, but did he believe? The crowds flocked to him. They wanted, what can Jesus do for us kind of saviour? Not, what has Jesus come to do, saviour? And there is great sadness in this passage. They heard, they saw, they felt. The most convincing evidence, the most powerful truth, yet they did not believe. And that's the warning for us, isn't it? That we can hear his words, authoritative teaching, amazing words in the Bible from Jesus. And we don't respond with trust with repentance, contrition, with worship, joy, or gratefulness. Test and see. Are you being led to your Lord and Saviour to trust him and to follow him? as you hear his voice and meet him in the pages of scripture. Let us pray, everyone. Indeed, we may this morning just pause, Father, we just test our own hearts to see that we are people who are just wanting, longingly wanting to trust you, Lord, and as we follow you. And we just hear your words in response to the gospel reading that we've heard and um, we want to be people, men and women, children who are concerned enough to play our part in this great cause, to have the priority of Jesus. We do ask for courage this morning. 
And we do pray that we may take these words and, uh, of Scripture and we may indeed find them taking us, leading us to our Saviour and being equipped there. Father, we are so grateful and uh, thank you for all that the Lord has shown us this morning as we have um, looked at just these few aspects of his uh, ministry and uh, his demonstrational authority and what he is teaching and sharing about his kingdom. So minister to our hearts this day, we pray, and uh, continue to lead and guide us as your people here in Alverston. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.